Welcome to episode two of the Let's Get Critical podcast. Uh, my name is Mike, but my mutant name is Mr. Kerosene. And of course, I'm here always with my uh, beloved friend. Rube Walker. There we are. Yeah. Yes, We've been uh, wanting to do this for a long time. And finally, today, let's I know. get critical about some music we listen to. <laughs> yeah. For anybody who doesn't know, I mean, this is a brand new podcast. Um, uh, Ruben and I are in a band called Frantic Romantic. And, uh, uh, you know, a big factor of being in a band is being a music fan. So uh, we're both big music fans. And we also have a lot of music that we listen to that we haven't shared with each other yet. And um, we figured this would be a great opportunity to do that and also share it with uh, with you all, you with all at home. Adoring public over here. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of what made our sound, right? We, we have different backgrounds, different tastes that we had and... I mean, that's what made the, the, the melting pot that is Frantic Romantic now. I, I agree, yeah. Um, y- you know, uh, we each have music, uh, musical tastes that are frantic, and then, uh, you know, some others that are romantic, and uh, sometimes both, right? Right. Um, just want to give a special thanks to my brother Jason for um, having us on his podcast network for anybody who doesn't remember but you might have uh this is not my first uh let me listen podcast network endeavor um in the past i did an uh podcast called um filmtastic voyage with then alex keller now alex saint pierre but uh, he lives with his wife up in vancouver now and just a shout out to them too Thank you for all the the fun memories of uh, reviewing movies. But this isn't movies. This is music. And on episode two, uh, we wanted to go ahead and uh, go with one of my picks. And this is an album that I felt was not only divisive, but um, um, not one of my favorites by this artist. And uh, it is David Bowie's 1983 installment, Let's Dance, um, so a fun, a few fun facts about this album before we, we jump into it here. Uh, uh, previous to this album, um, David Bowie had done his Berlin trilogy. And then I would say kind of the spiritual successor to that in 1980, which was uh, scary monsters and super creeps, which was, uh, in a lot of people's opinion, his last great album. Uh, after that, a few things happened. One was, uh, his good friend, John Lennon was shot and killed in New York city where they both lived at the time. And, uh, Bowie actually had to take some time off to kind of process that. So he, he became a little bit of a recluse for a bit. Um, but then, uh, going into this album, he actually, uh, he dropped his record label. He left RCA uh, and he, he, he got signed on the EMI. And, uh, the reason he did that was because he felt that RCA was really just kind of, um, uh, milking his back catalog, but not really doing much for, for his newer endeavors. Um, he was signed to RCA back when he did uh hunky dory. And of course, Bowie's albums all throughout the seventies were big hit albums. Um, and then the Berlin trilogy being a little bit less commercial, but a little bit more experimental and a lot more interesting in my opinion. Um, uh, let's see. He was also starting to do more acting. So he did some Broadway acting. He did, he played the elephant man 
for a run of the Elephant Man, and, and that was in New York City. Um, he was becoming a much bigger name, and with that, he uh, he went into Let's Dance, um, being more of a celebrity actually than he was prior. So, new record label. Uh, this album actually had a new producer. He Bowie legendarily worked with uh, Tony Visconti on 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 a few albums, but for this album, he um, he recruited Niall Niall Rogers. Rogers, yeah. Yeah, and um, and it shows it shows all over the music. It does, <laughs> which uh, I, I'm we'll we'll get into yeah, uh, shortly because yeah. Niall Rogers has a very different taste than than Tony did. Um, I also read that uh, Bowie didn't really even tell Tony that he was dumped. Uh, Tony found out from an assistant, and and it kind of broke his heart for the for the next twenty years. Um, and this was also where a very unknown Texan guitarist named Steve Uray Ray Vaughan, right. he was recruited, and uh, this kind of jump-started career, his career. And, and funny enough, I, I hear that Steve Uray Vaughan is actually not, wasn't uh, a Bowie fan at all. No, no. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, just, just to get the bag, right? Just for the money. Just yeah. for the money. Yeah, which is, I, I would have loved to have seen those <laughs> sessions and that tour. Um, so new, new label, uh, and also new manager. He finally dumped his manager that he had a, a very weird, tumultuous relationship with for the last like 10 years and a new producer. And what you have is let's dance. Now, if you remember from the first episode, we, uh, we, we take a deep dive into, into these albums, but these are quick episodes. They're about 20 minutes long. So, um, you know, we're going to start with general impressions and then we're going to go into our top three tracks and our bottom three tracks. And then I'm going to end the episode with a fun and funny, really harsh negative review of any album that we listen to. And then we're going to decide if we agree with it or not. So with that said, Ruben, I've been talking for the last five minutes. Oh, uh, let's, let's, yeah, let's go into it. What, what did you think of Let's Dance? So it's funny because if you talk to most people, most laymen, they're going to talk about this era of Bowie uh, for the most part because of songs like Let's Dance, China Girl, um, Modern Love. This is kind of, when you look at films, these are the, the uh, Bowie things that get highlighted the most. Mm. It's, it's a strong departure from what you would know if you were a fan of his entire catalog. I know my wife... When I talk to her about about Bowie, she always like right away she'll mention like either uh, Modern Love or um, or Let's Dance. Like those are the two main ones that come up. Um, as a kid, I remember these these ones too. I think for me, the only thing I didn't dig that Bowie did in the eighties for me really was the dancing in the street thing. <laughs> that, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just. Yeah. And on paper, I figure that would would make sense and make dollars and all that stuff, but I just didn't dig it. Yeah. Uh, with this album, now now as an adult, having a little more of a scope of the catalog and kind of the depth of the songwriting, I think it, it lacks a little bit of that. It lacks some of the um, some of the bravado, some of that. I don't know some of that uh, that magic that Bowie had early on that imagination you know it, it didn't have so much of that but I think that's kind of the point of this album that's why it's called Let's Dance right <laughs> it's just about having a good time getting that bag cashing those checks I I think I don't know I know you have more insight on this well yeah so um, 
and again, for anybody who probably doesn't know me very well, uh, Bowie uh, became an obsession for me for like a good 10 years, right? Um, and uh, I read biographies and I, you know, every album that I'd buy, I'd read the story behind it and where he was and what he was doing and why he was doing it and all that. And, and you know, Bowie in the 70s was a very prolific, involved really obsessed kind of mad scientist and he'd go to dark places with his music. He'd go to androgynous places. He'd push boundaries, you know, um, um, with how explicit things were, how sexual things were. He had characters, he had a freaky makeup. He had, um, it's theatrical. Everything was very theatrical, very theatrical, even in the recording process, right? It was yeah. a performance and it was very art driven music. Like it, it was, it was uh, uh, a theater pieces, right? Basically, I, I, I really think like he was more of a performance artist than he was like, let's say, a musician, singer. musician, right? Even, yeah, yeah. Now with Let's Dance, um, it's hard to say what motivated him to go this particular direction. And I know this is where a lot of Bowie fans fall off is Let's Dance because they think that everything up through Scary Monsters and Super Creeps was like that it was art it was him approaching something with like this idea in his head of what he visually wants the music to represent right um i've heard the argument that let's dance was the actual last real motivated um production that he put together right right and it kind of shows like uh let's dance for better or for worse it it is it is very intentional but it's also um um uh there's traces of him in the music that I think get lost immediately afterwards like um you know the subsequent other albums that he made after that in the 80s one of them being Tonight and then the other one being um Never Let Me Down uh even to him admittedly were just he he needed to make music to make money money it was cash grabs right and right. that was it and it wasn't until the 90s where you saw this kind of renaissance of Bowie getting back into like a lot of crazy shit, which was like, if anyone hasn't checked out 90s Bowie, like it's a trip. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Um, but with Let's Dance, uh, it just felt like he was, uh, it was a sterile Bowie. It was very like, hey, we've, we've given Bowie a bath. <laughs> you know, I feel like it's almost like, he had played these characters, and now he was just like, "Hey, I'm just going to be the the artist of you know the person behind these characters right. making an album." You know, I'm David Bowie. You know, yeah, not so much a lot of these other you know the White Duke and all these other people that that you know that that the artist was portraying to convey that art. You know, right? And and there's good things about that for him as a person, and bad things with his art. Right? So. Uh, the Berlin trilogy was this time for him to detox, and it was him and Iggy Pop going over to Berlin, uh, making music, and kind of just being away from the drug scene of L.A., uh, which was the excess, all that. Oh, right? he was prior, yeah, and he he was addicted to co- to cocaine because of that. But um, so you have him leaving Berlin, coming back to the states. Um, living in New York City, which I think is was probably uh, his preference for the rest of his life. Yeah. Um, and 
really kind of sobering up, uh, finding God, um, and kind of just growing up a bit. Like he was in his thirties now. He was he was evening out. You know he 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 had he had gained some wis- his some much needed wisdom and um. I think I think Let's Dance was a reflection of that, but maybe maybe even just a little bit too much. Like we've gotten so safe with this album that it's just not interesting. Yeah, like a little too self aware, you think, or something like that with what he was doing. Uh, I would say not self self aware enough. Like I gotcha. I, I, gotcha. I, I almost kind of feel like he from the Bowie brand. You mean right? Right. He yeah. sacrificed his brand, but I don't know if he did it intentionally. But it can't all be bad because it was, it was his biggest album. It was a commercial success, right? right. Yeah. Um, so with that said, um, you know, get, getting into the tracks, um, I guess we'll start with top, your top three. What, what would you say, like, if you were to pick three tracks off this album, what would you say they are that you, you thought were the best? I mean, you know, the lazy thing would be to say, you know, like, what is it? China Girl, uh, Modern Modern Love, and... Um, oh, Let's Dance. Let's Dance, right. Um, and, I mean, it goes to shows because those are bigger singles. Those are songs that charted a little better. Right. I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that, though. Uh, no. <laughs> you know... What actually repelled me from listening to Bowie for the longest time was the song China Girl. Oh, me too. Me too. Um, I, I, yeah, I, in my opinion, I feel like that obviously didn't, it didn't age well. And even no. then, I think it was kind of shitty to put that, but it was, a, it was an Iggy Pop song, right? Right. So what, what most people might not know is China Girl was actually originally an Iggy Pop song. And I think it has Iggy Pop sensibilities and, right. And, and, you, you know, wh- whether how much you know or how little you know about Iggy Pop, like, um, and this is going to sound like an insult, but it's it's really not. Like, Iggy Pop's songwriting is a lot less intellectual, a lot less worldview. To, and, and also, I, I mean, honestly, to his benefit, like, he's been credited as being, like... Easy to digest, right, yeah. Easy to digest, but also, like, the godfather of punk rock, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, there's there's a raw power and a raw feel to Iggy Pop that Bowie does not have. Bowie is polished. Bowie Sophisticated, is... Sophisticated, right. Right. And and uh, so when I hear Iggy Pop's version of China Girl, it kind of makes sense. Um, Bowie's version of China Girl, it's, it, it's beneath him. <laughs> And and it's like, especially coming into the modern era now, and 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 how we've changed as a culture, it's like it is very like, kind of cringy, maybe racist, maybe not. Like, I mean, I actually I always thought that. You know, yeah. I remember I remember working in a kitchen early on in my career, and one of the chefs, he was he was Chinese, right? But I don't think that made that any better. He was singing it, oh. and I was just like. You know, like kind of teasingly singing it at us. And I was like, I don't know what to do right now. You know, like, I'm like, I don't really care for this song. Yeah. But hey, in the comments, I would love for people to tell us what you think of China Girl. Um, Do you think it holds up? Do you think it doesn't? Do you think it's justified? Do you think it's Bowie? Is it one of your favorite Bowie songs? Is it one of your least favorite Bowie songs? It's definitely for sure one of my least favorite Bowie songs of all time. And it's no, it's, you know, as 
Bowie left the eighties and left that era of his career. Like he did not play that song after that. Right. It was dropped from his set. And you know, I don't blame him for that. <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, um, having somebody like Stevie Ray Vaughan and, you know, having, uh, Niles do the uh, production on this, I want to say, I feel like the music, the guitar work, a lot of that stuff got very, uh, complex. Like, I tried to go back and learn some of these songs on the guitar, and they were, they were some like they don't sound like it, but there's some cool jazz chords going on here, yeah. And the movements and like with the bass and everything. So from that perspective, I kind of, I kind of do dig this album now. I mean, I'm a big fan of um, of Daft Punk, and the album that Niles did for them, you know, I think you could see a lot of that, a lot of those sensibilities. Which one did he do? It was uh, Random Access Memories. Oh, wow, okay. Which was like the one that wasn't electronic. It was very yeah. practical in its, its approach, but it still has that, like, has like a disco vibe to it, you know? Yeah. And you hear it. You hear it in, uh, in Let's Dance. Well, with Niall Rogers, there's a lot of, there's a lot of energy and a lot of kind of natural, uh, innate pop sensibility in how yeah. he produces. And that's not a bad thing. Like a lot of people rag on him, especially Bowie fans. But it's like, dude, again, like his work speaks for itself. And I'm smirking because I remember when we were putting our our record together, we had a bassist do some like slap and pop on like the second verse of <laughs> Let's Go Critical. Do you remember this? Yeah. And the producer we were working with was, I don't think so, fucking Niles Rogers. <laughs> like he cut it out. Then we added it back in. And then we added it back in. <laughs> I just remember that. It like never left me. And I was thinking, what's wrong with Nile Rogers? I love Nile Rogers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And man, I forgot all about that. Yeah. 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 Hey, if you listen to our song, Let's Go Critical, you'll find some Nile Rogers sens- sensibility. sensibility in that yeah. song. Yeah. Um, to answer your question about my top three, I, I, the title track, Let's Dance, I think that is, for one, it still holds up. And 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 it's a, it's a powerhouse track. Like, it will probably always be around. Yeah. And it'll probably be the most recognizable Bowie song, always, no matter what. I mean, yeah, there's like Ziggy Stardust and all that and, and whatever, uh, uh, Life on Mars and golden years and all these other things that are like big hits that uh all the young dudes right but but something that's very specifically bowie like oh that's a bowie song it's always going to be let's Let's dance Dance. right and i love the long version of it where they get into this whole jam Uh like there's merit to that there's like some actual like musicianship and like more than just a pop song to that particular that section right right yeah yeah um uh second favorite and this was this was featured in uh Inglorious Bastards um is cat people putting out fire and, and i'm not going to say it's like a strong bowie song um but there needed to be a track on this album where it's like oh bowie's a rock person like he makes rock music and like that was probably the single track where it's like oh okay bowie has some like grit now again like like there's some there's some uh, dirt and dirt on the heels, you know. Um, so that that one uh, I'd say was like a necessary track for the album, but also kind of like you know it it again it was in Inglorious Bastards and it got a little bit of a resurgence in popularity because of that, and and people did end up kind of appreciating that song a bit more. Um, and then the third one is uh, Criminal Criminal World. 
Um, now that's not a hit. Um, but the reason I picked criminal world is because it's the only track on the album where there's just a little sliver of what Bowie used to be. There's just a little hint of like, Oh, that's the Bowie we know. And, um, um, you know, the way he treats his vocals, the way he treats his vocal effects in that song is very like, okay, this is like, this is almost like plastic soul era Bowie. Um, so yeah, those are my top three. So which were your, your bottom three? Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I think we can Obviously, both agree. Yeah, uh, and it's funny because China Girl was on both on my top and my bottom. Not not necessarily that it was one of my favorites, but yeah. it's one of the most known. So yes. I kind of was like, I have to put it in the top three. Yeah, but Which it's definitely on my bottom three. <laughs> <laughs> um. So when we get into the bottom three, uh, I just want to preface like this album is only eight tracks. Yeah, and different era, right? And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of the tracks are very middling, or as the kids would say, mid. Mid, right. Uh, mid. But they're very middling. They're very forgettable. And and um, so picking a bottom three, um, it was a little difficult because everything's kind of sitting on the same tier. But um, China Girl, for one. Um, the next one would be Without You. There's this song called Without You on the, on the album where I just... It, it doesn't really move. It doesn't do anything. It yeah. just kind of floats and it doesn't have... You, you, you're sitting there waiting for something interesting to happen and it just never happens and then the song ends. And 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 it was... You know, I'm sure in 1983 it, it sounded like some fresh new sound, but here in, in uh, 2023 it sounds like every fucking pop 80s... Air supply. Well, you got to remember the era was very repetitive, right? Yeah. And that's just kind of what that was, you know? I don't know. Right. Yeah. And I that, always picture like credits to a movie in the 80s, you know? <laughs> 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 yeah. And then, uh, honestly, there's a song that I hate by Bowie. It's like, it's not just bottom three of this album. It's like bottom three of any Period. album. Yeah. And that is Shake It. I fucking hate Shake It. And the reason why is the song sounds like your grandparents are on a cruise doing like a, 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 a what do you call it? Like a, a conga line or something. Conga line. Right. Yeah, That's yeah. what it sounds like. It sounds like my, my grandparents are on a cruise doing a conga line. <laughs> and, and to close the album with that feels... <laughs> Feels like one last middle finger. Disrespectful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> I agree with you 100%. That's in my bottom three, too. Um, I feel, you know, it, it's like the epitome sonically of like a like a cheesy used car salesman. Like, it's just, yeah. it's bad, right? Like, it's just like a cliche. It's it's just so fabricated. I don't know. It, it's it's It encompasses a lot of, you know what it reminds me of? And it, huh. I'm going to rant a little bit, but Go for it. it reminds me of like that last song on uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Oh, yeah. A song that <laughs> Rick Rubin told him, hey, write a song about like Hollywood and cars and convertibles and blondes and stuff. It's, it's like it's 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 like no effort. Right. It just and it shows, you know, just to uh, pull back into our own our own work. Yeah. 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 So I, I had read um, Scar Tissue. Right. And I read that chapter. Yeah. And. I took this weird 
like I read that and then it subconsciously bled into let's go, let's go critical. critical. The superficial yeah. superficiality of it, right? I thought, oh so yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> you know what? Maybe I will write it just song write a song about cars and whatever. Uh it's funny because we were in lockdown, <laughs> so that was like that was the fantasy that you know, the escapism, right? Maybe yeah. at the time. This yeah. whole and we were like and we still kinda are. We were all like uh, obsessed over like uh Blade Runner and all that. So it's like oh, this, yeah. This uh, Countach world. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, your bottom three. So China Girl, Shake It. Shake It. And I, I, this is going to be a hot take, but for me, Criminal World, only because it's kind of like which one of these kids is doing their own thing on the album. It didn't feel, oh, didn't feel less cohesive. Yeah. Obviously, because it was, it was kind of bowie holding on to some of what bowie bowie was about right the essence right but for me like if i'm putting an album together it was like the obvious like hey that, that's not quite you right. know <laughs> i know i used my vote but i want to veto that one you know what i mean maybe yeah. i don't know it's not a bad song that makes sense though and, right? and i i think it's really cool that we came to the opposite conclusion you on know, that one yeah specifically right me being more of a legacy bowie fan and picking that because it's different yeah yeah and then you you kind of uh uh have it in a part of your bottom three because the same reason but right it, but in a different for a different reason right right i mean because it's just i always approach it that way like when we make an album we, we think about yeah. what order we want to put the tracks in and also the the work, you know. We sometimes we cut some really cool songs out, right? Because I'm like, eh, it doesn't really feel. Doesn't go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But sometimes you want that, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And for anybody who who is curious, um, there are a handful of songs that we have demo recordings of that we have not put on our albums, and and. Every time we come into a uh, record an, an ex recording session, we go, oh, what about uh, what about so good night or you know what about career song or but it always we always just keep kicking them, you know. There's like that Bob Dylan song you wrote, the first song you demoed for Celestina. Oh, it's the Bob Dylan song. You, you wrote it like a real stream of consciousness. Oh, that like, thing. Yeah, I don't like that either. So, but but I mean, you know, it's something like that too. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you need those just to get the juices rolling. I you agree. Know? I agree. And maybe that's what Criminal World was, you know, just yeah. to get the juices rolling. Right. Um, so we end our episodes with one last uh, one last hurrah here. Yes. Um, and that is basically, um, I'm going to get a new setup for the next time we, uh, we do this here. But um, so <laughs> I pick a particularly harsh, maybe comical review of of an album and then we see if we agree with it or if we disagree with it so this was written by uh, uh walter goodman and um <laughs> so walter goodman writes uh one out of five stars reviewed in the, in the united states on february 23rd 2005 in all caps, I hate this album. I have always hated this album and always will. I'm a huge Bowie fan and I hate this album. Not because of the blatant commercialism of it, but, but because it is terrible. Um, there's honestly not a single track that I can say that is essential for me. The title track and biggest single is a nightmare of inspired one-liners. China Girl and Modern Love I liked when they were released but have come to detest over time. I've come to detest over time. Um, all other tracks are throwaways. 
His re-recording of Putting Out Fire is a shameful parentheses. I love the original from the movie Cat People parentheses. The only track I even remotely like is Criminal World. And even that is being generous. I even liked Tonight and Never Let Me Down better than this album. At least those albums had Loving the Alien and Time Will Crawl. Is it just me? Question mark, exclamation mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark. Well, I mean, he's not completely off the mark. He's a little harsh, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so here's the thing. My take with some of this is anytime an artist jumps from a label that i think that's always exciting sure right because you I get don't, new ideas right right yeah. it's going to sound different it just is they're always going to want to pivot and not just like with style but i mean also in production i think production is going to be a little different um for me like when the foo fighters made the jump i think from rca too to i don't know what um what does that say about rca i wonder yeah i, <laughs> <laughs> I mean i just think it's exciting so i can't knock it for for being of its time, right? Yeah. I think maybe Bowie hit a, a dry spell creatively. I mean, he was doing character after character after after thing. You know, this was maybe just a break or something. So I don't I don't want to knock a dude for trying because it's hard. You know, being an artist is difficult. Yeah. He had he had this be one of the most commercially successful records. So he was doing something right. Right. Content wise, right. I mean, it wasn't his best. Yeah, and you know, interestingly enough, it, it kind of shows how you can have a subpar sounding album. And again, this is just my opinion, but you can have a subpar sounding album, but if you just have the two or three odd tracks that are really radio friendly, suddenly great album, great album, great album right? right? It's success, right? Um, Your label's happy with you. Yeah. Not anymore, but I mean, at the time, <laughs> it's funny. Zeke, Zeke was talking about that and he's like, you'd get home, you'd save your money, you'd buy your album, get home You'd hear the three songs you liked, and the rest of it was garbage, and you'd be so yeah. disappointed. <laughs> you know? It's sad, dude. I, I, and I mean, you know, there's a whole treasure trove of those kinds of albums, right? Yeah, where yeah. Every, where it's front loaded, and then the the back half of the album is just deplorable, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, I in in less harsh terms, I do agree with what this person's saying. Um, this is definitely bottom tier Bowie for me personally. Um, and less ambitious and less Bowie, but um, definitely not insignificant. Like it's it's one of his greats, whether we like it or not. Um, so we would like to hear in the comments what you think of David Bowie, Let's Dance, the album, and also the song. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you, from you in general. Uh, we're always taking suggestions. We're always taking questions. And uh, again, uh, my mutant name is Mr. Kerosene. Joined with my 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 best bud here, Rube Walker, and uh, we are uh, the members of Frantic Romantic, and we will see you back here soon for Let's Get Critical. Let's Get Critical is a part of the Let Me Listen podcast network. You may find all Let Me Listen podcasts on such websites as Spotify, Deezer, SoundCloud, 
and other streaming networks. You may find more information about the band Frantic Romantic by visiting franticromanticmusic.com as well as our social media platforms. We're always posting information about concerts, new music, and more. So please, visit us, reach out to us. Let us know if there's any albums you'd love for us to review. Until next time, this has been Let's Get Critical. 